This is our second session on 1 Thessalonians 5, 1-5, and I want to linger with you over the term Day of the Lord. The Day of the Lord. Because at the church in Thessalonica, this was partly understood You yourselves know accurately that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. But there was some group in the church that was sensing that it was so near and so impending that they could probably uh, quit their jobs in order to wait for it, because why would you want to plan for tomorrow if tomorrow is going to breathe the day of the Lord? and They were unsure about what had to happen first. For example, over here in 2 Thessalonians, that we'll get to in a few weeks, Lord willing, it says, Now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to him, which we saw back in 1 Thessalonians 4 13 to 18. We ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed. So something was going on there in the church that had shaken them and alarmed them, it seems, because there had been either some kind of prophetic spirit or a spoken word or a letter that seemed to be from us to the effect that the day of the Lord, this coming of our Lord Jesus, this day of the Lord, has come. So there was real confusion for some that had been shaken in mind or alarmed. So I want to spend a few minutes giving the biblical background of this phrase so that we can sense why there might be an excessive uh, urgency and excitement in the church. Father, guide us now as we get our roots sunk a little deeper into the Bible concerning this term so that we can walk in the, in the light here, as Paul says we should. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's jump back to the very last book of the Old Testament. How does the Old Testament end? Like this. Behold, the day is coming. Now, that day is the day of the Lord. There's the phrase, technical phrase almost. The day of the Lord. Behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven when all the arrogant and all the evildoers will be stubble. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. Okay, so there's a picture of the day of the Lord that is absolutely devastating and negative. It's judgment through and through. However, verse 2, but for you who fear my name, The sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. In other words, you you will not experience the day of the Lord that way, this way. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord. So there's going to be two experiences of the day of the Lord. One is going to be horrific judgment, and the the other is going to be healing and leaping like calves from the stall. And the coming of Elijah is the one who's going to signal 
the arrival of this double-experienced day, and that's exactly what happened in the coming of Jesus or John the Baptist just before him. The disciples ask Jesus, then why do the, the scribes say that Elijah must come first, must come? He answered, Elijah does come, and he will restore all things. But I tell you, Elijah has already come. He's referring to John the Baptist. And they did not recognize him, but did to him whatever they pleased. <laughs> they beheaded him. So also the Son of Man will certainly suffer at their hands. So that day, which was prophesied here at the end of the Old Testament, this day of the Lord has in Jesus, in some sense, come very near, if not already begun. Now shift over in the terminology for just a moment to the, to the term kingdom. So not day of the Lord, but kingdom of God, because Jesus talks like a kingdom has come sometimes, and he talks like the kingdom is yet to come sometimes, and that tension was already there in the Old Testament. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over all. There's a sense in which God's kingdom is always present, always ruling everywhere in the world. However, the term became also used for a special experience of the saving reign of God. For example, it would come according to Zechariah 14, 8 and 9, on that day living waters shall flow out of Jerusalem, half of them to the eastern sea, half of them to the western sea. It shall continue in summer as in winter, and the Lord will be king. So this is an experience, this kingdom coming in a special, saving, beautiful, glorious new way. The Lord will be king over all the earth. On that day, the Lord will be one and his name one. So the kingdom is coming in a very special way, and according to Jesus, it has come. Matthew 12, 28. But it, if it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or Luke 17, 20 and 21. Being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is, or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. So twice Jesus says, it's here. I am here as the king, and therefore the kingdom is here, and therefore most people conflating day of the Lord and kingdom would say, wow, it's here. The, the day of the Lord is, is here. And we know that the writers of the New Testament spoke, therefore, of the days they lived in as the last days. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, that's the way the biblical writers in the New Testament understood the times that they and we are living in. The last days, God has spoken to us by a son. The arrival of the king meant the arrival of the kingdom, and the arrival of the kingdom meant the arrival of the last days, and the day of the Lord was what? <laughs> 
at the door, if not with a foot inside the door, whom he appointed the heir of all things through whom he created the world. So this day of the Lord then becomes, with the coming of the Son, who is the King, the day of the Lord Jesus. He will sustain you to the end, guiltless at the day of our Lord Jesus. So Jesus is now seen as the Lord, whereas in the Old Testament, the Lord was Yahweh, the creator of the heavens and the earth. And Jesus is now one with the Lord, and it is his day. Philippians 1 6. And I am sure of this that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Or Philippians 1.10, I pray that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. So day of the Lord, day of the Lord Jesus, day of, of Christ. It's all one. Now back to our text. Now concerning the times and seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you, for you yourselves know accurately that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. It will come suddenly. It will be unexpected. But some in the church were so thrilled, so excited, with a sense of such urgency that they were vulnerable to some false teaching that somehow, in some sense, this day of the Lord was there in its fullness. And we'll talk about that when we get to Second Thessalonians. But I just wanted to give more background to the day of the Lord so that we could sense some of the excitement, some of the urgency given to way the Old Testament and Jesus spoke of the day of the Lord and the arrival of the kingdom and the age to come, coming upon them, and the last times arriving. This is where we live. Now we'll see how Paul actually instructs us to live in these last days.